Thank you, Daniel. He's going to help me bring this thing forward here a little bit. I have, I have an illustration today. I have a super simple message. A super simple message, everybody. A very thank you, sir. Nice job. I'll give you uh, five bucks afterwards over there. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Put it in the offering. There you go. Duplicate it. Okay, I'm good. good? Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Wow, what a morning already, eh? Oh, we're cooking with gas this morning. We need to, we need to get these guys uh, leading more often. Get some fire in the house. You don't want a guy like me that's way too laid back. You know, you want some fire, man. Come on. Hey, everybody. Let's just pray first. Father, we just thank you for this amazing uh, gift that you've given to us, this incredible gift of your precious, precious son, Jesus. We thank you, God, that even as we, we had communion together, we remind ourselves of the incredible sacrifice, the lavish sacrifice that you gave to us so freely on our behalf. And because of that, we have complete access the presence of the living God. What an incredible thing. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to sweat for it. We don't have to work anything up. We don't have to strive for anything. We just receive what you've given to us. And Jesus, we're forever grateful to you for coming, for laying down your life for us, for removing, for obliterating every single obstacle between us and our Creator God. We receive you, Jesus, with great thanksgiving. Lord, I ask that you breathe on this word, make it live in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody, I got no, I got no jokes this morning, everybody. I got no jokes. What? Somebody said that's good. Who? Out, out. Okay, I'm going to be talking about, um, maybe you guys know already, what would you say, for those of you who read the Bible, what would you say is the most common expression in the Bible, in the New Testament, to speak about salvation? Our state as being saved. What is the most common phrase? Anybody have any ideas? Anything pop to mind? A phrase that's commonly used in the New Testament, I'll give you a further clue. It's primarily in uh, the letters written by Paul that speaks about our state as being saved, our state of being saved. Anybody? Born again is a good, is a good phrase, yes. Redeemed. New creation, come on, I love these things already. They're all true, all true. Sons and daughters, we're sons and daughters. Which? Very, very good words. Here is the expression that is the most common expression in the New Testament to speak about us being saved. You know what it is? Two words. Two amazing words. One a very small two-letter word, and one 
Thank you, Randy. See, you go to the front of the class, boom. Addiction's gone in Jesus' name. In Christ. In Christ is the most common expression that the Bible uses, that Paul uses, to speak about the fact that we are saved. When you give your heart to Jesus, when you invite Jesus into your heart, he comes in and he lives on the inside of us, so Jesus lives in our hearts, but we are in Christ. And that is the most common expression that the New Testament uses to speak, uh, to speak about us being saved. So what's the big deal about that? Well, like I said, it's a very simple message, and I will try to unpack it. Let me give you, let's give us, okay, one moment. So, for example, you preached a wonderful gospel message, and then at the end of preaching the gospel message, you say, first of all, that God is our creator. God is our creator. He made all of us. He made all of us good. And we had, because we were made good, and because, in fact, we were very good, and because we had incredible, unfettered, unlimited access to God, with nothing blocking our relationship with him. This is what it was like when, when God first created us in the Garden of Eden that depicts the relationship that every single human person um, had, had with God. But by our own choosing, our own choice, yes, we were deceived, but we made the choice to disobey God. And as, as, as a result of that, we were separated from God. But because God loves us so much of his own volition, because of his incredible love for us, he chose to send his son Jesus to take our place, to take our punishment that was fully deserving of us to have this punishment. Jesus came, took that punishment, and because he did that, because he died on the cross, because he rose again from the dead, those who believe in him now have restored access to the presence of the living God. Isn't that amazing? So when we preach a message like that, and we say everybody who's, been, who's, listening, who's heard this message, you have, an, you have a response to make. And we, we often would help people by saying a prayer to help people uh, decide to give their lives to Jesus. And then we say, we want to invite, so part of the prayer is, Lord Jesus, we invite you into our hearts. Right? You're all familiar with that whole process. We invite you into, we invite you, Jesus, into our hearts. And yes, we do invite him into our hearts. And yes, because we invite him into our hearts, he comes into our hearts to take up residence. And the Father comes in and the Holy Spirit comes in and they live on the inside of us. But do you know that in the New Testament, there's only one place in the New Testament where Jesus in our hearts is actually stated and that's a prayer that Paul made in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, where he says, I pray that Christ will dwell in your hearts richly. That's the only place in the whole Bible where it talks about Jesus, uh, you know, being invited into our hearts. There are a bunch of other places, five other places, where the idea of Christ in me exists, right? I'll give just a couple. There's, there's, there's a... Five other places in the New Testament. Okay? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? 
Yeah? Christ Jesus is in you. Romans 8.10 says, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. But if Christ is in you, Galatians 4 verses 19 and 20 say, say, My dear children, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Galatians 2.20, everybody knows this one. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? One more, Colossians 1.27. For them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Those are the six places where it speaks about Christ being in us. So it's awesome. Everybody good so far? We good with that? Six places in the New Testament it speaks of Jesus being in us. So here's my illustration as I unveil. Oops, I made that wet. Let this represent you and me. Okay? And so... We preach the gospel. We invite people to invite Jesus into, into their hearts. And so we, did, we've done, we, we do that. So Jesus, this represents Jesus, everybody. It's only in the illustrations, relax. Jesus. And he comes and, he, and we invite Jesus into our hearts. He takes us at our word and he comes into our hearts and he begins to live inside our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? It's nice, fresh, clean, living water. Jesus says further on in, in John chapter 7, is anyone thirsty? Let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. So just imagine God is so powerful that even this amount of water can become a river of living, rivers of living water. Okay, so that's, that's the reality. Christ in us. But as, as we've already said, the most, the more common expression, over a hundred times, six times Christ in us, but over a hundred times we are in Christ. So here's what really happens when we get saved. Yes, uh, Jesus comes in and fills us up, but at the very same time, here's what happens. We get dunked in God in the, in, the, in the Trinitarian presence. So Christ is in us, but now we are in Him. We are in Him. And that is a gift that's given to us. We don't have to work towards it. We can't pray enough to get there. We can't fast enough. We can't be perfect enough to get there. We are given this by the grace of God. We are in Christ. Some people should be shouting louder than that. Here's what. Over a hundred times, the Bible speaks about this reality, being in Christ. I'll give you three or four quick examples, maybe four. Yeah, four right here. Romans 3, 23, 24, we all know this verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ 
Jesus. Not those who are saved. Those who are saved in the state of being saved in Christ Jesus. First uh, Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth. We can also say to the church of God that is, that is in Scarborough. To the church of God that is in Scarborough. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Everybody knows this one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. This, friends, is the most frequent, most repeated statement in the Bible about us being saved. Yes, born again. Yes, redeemed. Yes, all those other, other things we mentioned. But the most frequent, most repeated statement is we are in Christ. We are in Christ. We are in Christ. Just, just, just say, I am in Christ. Christ is in me. And I am in Christ. We are united to Christ. We are united to Christ. We're joined to Him. And this is not a metaphor, as I said on Facebook the other day. This is not a, just a metaphor. A metaphor is an analogy, an example, um, a picture that sort of reflects a, a, a deeper truth, right? Or not a truth, right? So it's not just a metaphor that we're in Christ. You know, the idea of, of, of being united. Politicians like to use the, the idea of we are united. We are a united party, right? And that's, a, that's, a, that's an, a, an analogy of, you know, having the same sort of vision or moving in the same direction, being in one accord. But this is deeper than that. This is a metaphor that speaks about a deeper reality, a deeper spiritual reality, a metaphysical reality, a, a, a mystical thing that our minds cannot fully comprehend. We just have to take, the, take God at his word and believe it, that when we give our lives to Jesus, we are joined to the triune God, the creator God, joined to him. We are of one spirit with him. It's a simple message, isn't it? Simple to understand, totally different to actually apply to our lives because we have a whole bunch of other things screaming the opposite at us. But this is the reality. And my message today is let's choose to believe what the word of God says even above or circumstances, even, ab even above the voice of the enemy who would scream something else or whisper something else. Let's believe the word of God more than what even our own broken soul would say, because that's the biggest enemy really, is our own brokenness. Let's believe the word of God. This is a deeply spiritual thing. We are connected, we are united to Christ. That is why Jesus said to, to Saul before he, be, he became Paul, Paul, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus didn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting the Christians? Why are you, why are, why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting my church? He says, why are you persecuting me? Because when Paul was hurt, when Saul was hurting uh, the Christians, he was hurting Jesus. Because Jesus is joined to us. And when we hurt, he hurts. 
When we rejoice, he rejoices because we are inextricably, that's a big word for some of us, we are so connected to God, we are so connected to him. We are one with God because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because of his resurrection. We are one with God. I'm going to say it again. We are one with God. We are united to Christ. We are hidden with God. We are hidden with Christ in God. We are hidden with Christ in God. Amen. That's my message. Let's go home. As I said before, we don't pray ourselves into this. We don't fast ourselves into this. We don't uh, sweat buckets to get to this place. It's a gift that's been given to us. So we have the option of living our lives in Christ well, or we get to live our lives in Christ badly. But this is the truth. We are in Christ. We are in Christ. We need to wake up to this reality. We need to wake up to this reality. Let me give you a little illustration of how I try to practice this. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody else. Um, not all the time, but sometimes I, I try to live with the consciousness that, that I am carrying Christ with me. That I am Christ, that I'm in Christ, and he's with me. So, for, for instance, uh, when I go to uh, the doctor's office, or the eye specialist, or to emergency, I like to practice it there, because I know that when I go to places like that, people are generally quite uh, anxious, worried, because it's their health, right? They're really concerned about their health. So there's one occasion, I went to this, um, this, med, this uh, eye doctor's place over in Mississauga, and opened the door, the place was jam-packed with people, right? Jam-packed, like wall-to-wall -wall people, which meant that they were behind, they were running late, the doctors were running late, so people were piling up, so people were anxious, oh my gosh, I'm having to wait so long, and who's, you know, my eyes, uh, whatever. So there's an atmosphere of anxiety in the place. Uh, people are worried. So without even thinking about it, what do I do? Open the door, I, I, I step into the room, and say, everybody relax, I'm here. Take it easy, everybody. Now, that's my non-religious way of saying, be at peace. I bring the peace of Christ into this place. I bring the peace of Christ into this place because I have the authority as being in Christ. Wherever I go, I carry the kingdom of heaven with me. I carry Christ with me, and I can release him wherever I go. And so what happened was, two weeks after I went back for a follow-up visit, Opened the door. It wasn't that busy, as busy then. And the receptionist turned around and said, Oh, the man who makes me smile. <laughs> she would have seen like hundreds of people between the first visit and the second visit. And she remembered that little moment. 
because it brought, it touched her at some level in her heart, and she was relieved, even though she, it was a very intense circumstance. We can do this. We can release the presence of God wherever we go, whether it's in the office. We don't, brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ, in Christ, you, in Christ, please, let's get to the place where we know who we are in Christ. I'm speaking about identity, understanding who we are in Christ so we can impact the world around us rather than letting the world impact us. It's about time Jesus died for this 2,000 years ago. We've been preaching about this forever. I'm preaching to myself. We need to really step into this place of maturity in Christ where we get to release him wherever we go. Amen? Amen. I'm almost done, Ian. May I please have four volunteers who would stand up right now? Let me give another illustration of this. Four volunteers who I will try not to embarrass you too much. I may, may make fun of you because that's what I do, but... Two more, please. Let's have three. Thank you, everybody. Look, Amanda, Ian. You see the leaders? You see leaders, natural leaders? We already got four. We don't need a fifth, Alex. Thank you, though. Uh, is there a job for you? Oh, sorry, I can't think of anything right now. May I have three of you represent uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Uh, <laughs> you should be the father because uh, you're, you're the youngest uh, in the group. So how about if we have you be uh, Jesus and you be Holy Spirit? How about if you guys pretend that you're like one? Three persons, but you're one. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Tight fellowship. Wonderful Holy Communion. Okay, stay right there. I just preached the message that we just heard about Jesus dying on the cross for us. And Amanda, for the very first time in her life, never heard the gospel before, she said yes to Jesus. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. And so when she says yes, as we just found out, what happened? Jesus came into her heart, but then she was placed, make room, guys, in Christ. She was placed in Christ. Make sure she can breathe, please. <laughs> so, so she's in Christ, okay? So wherever Amanda goes, who goes with her? We do. Exactly. So she goes, to the, she goes to the grocery store to do shopping. She goes to classes at U of T. She goes to the library to study and to prepare. Who's with her? Now, the only way, oh, maybe this is a job for Alex. If, if, uh, if, if the enemy were around, okay? I'm just making this part up on the fly, so let's go with it. Okay, so, so, so Alex is representing the enemy. And he wants to, he wants to harass, he wants to harass Amanda. How can he do that? No, the holy, the, there's a buffer. Okay, stick your hand on Amanda. The only way, the only way that the enemy would have access to Amanda is if she gave him 
access to him, legal rights, right? And so he gets to... Okay, that's it, great. That's all I got. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Amanda. So that's my point. Wherever we go, we carry, as, as we've often said, we are the mobile headquarters of the Trinitarian presence. Wherever we go, we get to carry God with us. And this is not, again, not just a good idea. It's actual reality. We can't see it with our eyes, but this is what's happening in the spirit. We may not feel it. We may not even experience the reality of it, but it is the truth. We are the mobile headquarters of the, whole, of, of the Holy Trinity. We get to carry them with us wherever we go. So when we're at the office, my friends, whether we're, we're having a great day with our boss, or our boss is being demanding or, or pressurizing us in some way, or the job itself is, is boring or, or maybe too taxing, or, or we have problems, problems with the job, we have access to the three persons of the Trinity. We have unfettered, unlimited access to all the resources of heaven to help us in that situation, don't we? What we need to do as, as brothers and sisters and as believers, what we need to do is to, as we've said, begin to practice the presence of God. Amen. It's no good to do this, this kind of stuff here in church and talk about these things in church and sing about them amazingly in, in church if we don't also take it outside the four walls and apply this to our lives on a daily, on a daily basis. So we get to carry God with us at the office. We get to carry God with us at the grocery store. And even when the circumstances of life don't match up with what, we, what, what you're believing, what the Word says, even when the circumstances don't seem to match up, when your boss is giving you a hard time, when, when, when uh, uh, the, the work itself is, is difficult or whatever, whatever it is, if there's relational problems with, with your family, your spouse, your friends, whatever it is, whether you have health issues, if you have financial issues, whatever issues you have, we all live in a world that's fallen and broken, and we will always have issues. But the fact of the matter is we have access. We have access to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus died to make available to us, we have access to, don't we? So if we need more patience, Sorry, let me just spit on you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if we need more patience, we have access to patience, right? If we need more peace, we have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of us. If we need a bit more grace in order to be forgiving to people around us, we have access to grace. Don't we? Don't we? Don't we? So th th this is essentially what I'm trying to get us to uh, not understand, because we know this already. What I'm trying to get us to do is to begin to apply it to our lives. Beginning to apply it to our lives. Because 
We are in Christ. We are not victims. We are not victims even when people try to victimize us. Even when people try to take advantage of us. Our bosses or whoever it may be. We are not victims. We We can only be victims if we allow ourselves to be victims. Uh, if we need power or boldness or love or compassion in order to be sought and light wherever God takes us, we have access. Because we are joined. We are joined to uh, the, the, per- the person who is the source of all these things. I mean, John, John, John 15 says it so clearly. I am the vine You are the branches. He is the one who has the source of life that comes up from the roots. We happen to be the branches. And whatever life force we need, whatever it is we need. See, I've never seen a mango tree sweating bullets to bear fruit, right? All they do is they abide. The The branches abide. And over the course of time, it bears fruit. Because it's in the vine. When we're in Christ, when we're in Christ, when we're living our lives with a greater, greater consciousness of us being in Christ, we will bear fruit almost automatically. Won't we? Thank you, Ian. It's all about intimacy. All about intimacy. Okay. You guys okay with this so far? So how do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get there? That's your business, not mine. No. How do we get Let me offer maybe a couple of things. Yes. Thank you. We came here by Phyllis's car. Thank you, Georgia. Let me, just say, let me just say a general thing as I'm thinking about it. Here, here, here's the deal, friends. Whenever somebody's speaking here on Sunday morning, whether it's me or Cayenne or, or whoever it is speaking, um, our responsibility as speakers, as people teaching, is we're asking God, Lord, what do our hearers need to hear from you? That's my job. My job is to pray and ask God to the best of my ability, Lord, help me understand what I need to share because you want them to hear this. Right? That's my job. Your job is to say, Lord, what do you want to say to me in the, in, in the message that's being given? What do you want me to hear from you in the message given so I can apply it to my life? Because it's not about just hearing the word. It's about applying it to our lives, right? Be not hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Because if we don't apply what we hear, it's just going to be like vapid. It's going to be like useless, right? It's just another 20 or 50 minutes wasted. So, so Lord, what are you wanting to say to me in my specific life right now? 
whether I'm in, uh, working or not working, whether I'm in school, whether I'm looking for a job. Lord, what do you want to say to me? How do you want me to live my life with the awareness that I'm living in you? So that's my first point. How do we get there? How do we get to that place? I've already mentioned, let's practice his presence. Let's, do, let's, let's consciously uh, train ourselves to remind ourselves that we are in Christ. So for example, um, when I was working at the airport church as their accountant, back in the day when we had a lot of money and stuff, um, an $8 million budget. When I was working at the, at the airport church, there was a number of occasions when uh, there were some difficult uh, moments and I had to find ways of communicating these difficult situations to uh, my bosses. Okay? And so, so what I did was Holy Spirit, you are with me. Can you please help me find the, the right words, the right ideas to communicate to these guys what needs to be said? And do you know, on more than one occasion, God would either give me a dream or he would, he would remind me or help me remember something that I needed to say. And it, it, he came through for me because I was, I, was, I was trying to practice his presence. I was actually relying on his resources and not my own. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this is very practical to our lives. It's not just good theology on Sunday mornings. We can, we can apply this to our lives. We can be constantly inviting Jesus into every situation of our lives. We can be inviting him into even... My wife does this like in an amazing way. Whatever she does, she's always speaking in tongues for one thing, but she's always, as even shopping, man, grocery shopping. Okay, I go and I buy, if I have to ever go shopping, I just go and buy the stuff and come back and bring it home. Whereas my friend over here, she's, God, where's, where are the best deals? Where are the best prices? What's the best product? What's the best um, uh, persimmons? Per, what are the best blueberries? You know, she, she's always asking God. She's inviting Jesus into every aspect of her life. And I love it. It's a great example for me. Because that's how we're meant to live. Not just in the small things. And of course, if we're faithful in the small things, he will give us bigger stuff, right? But we need to continually be developing this, this um, awareness of Jesus with us. If we do that, it'll change everything about our lives. We will not have, we will not see the circumstances of our lives through the eyes of the flesh anymore. So we won't be complainers and murmurers and depressed and upset because my boss passed me over for a promotion or whatever crisis you think you're in. If we see our lives through the eyes of Jesus that he's with us, we'll have a different lens on what's going on in our lives. And that right there is a million dollars, if you don't want if, Get the tape and listen to that. I didn't even hear that myself. That's amazing stuff right there I just said. 
Try my best, Jesus. So here's what I'm saying. Uh, to get there, practice his presence. Pray. Continually invite Jesus into our lives, the mundane aspects of our lives. I bet you our lives will be less boring than it is now if we were aware of the fact that Jesus is constantly with us and inviting him into everything. The sky will be bluer. The grass will be greener. The deals will be on Costco. You know, life will be so much better. Cayenne does the same thing, by the way. That's all is Sybil. Sybil has told me many stories of God helping him at his workplace figure stuff out. So, number one, practice his presence. Number two, let the word of God soak into us. Find some verses like I just read out about being in Christ. I have, we haven't even touched on sonship or anything. I'm just talking about this incredible phrase, in Christ. We're in Christ. And when we're in Christ, it means that we're sons or daughters of the living God. Get verses like that. Meditate on them. Ask the Holy Spirit to make them real for your life. How, how, do, how do I apply this in my life? Not Ramesh's life or Elsie's life. How does it work in my life? How does it, what does it mean being a son or daughter in my life? How is that fleshed out in my life? How does the fact that I am a son of God manifest it in my life? So the word of God, oh, so, sorry, uh, the presence of God, the word of God, meditating on the word of God, choose, I think this is uh, obvious but needs to be said, choose to believe because we live by faith, not by sight. We get to choose to believe that what the, what the word of God says about us is actually true. It's more true than the circumstances would seem to indicate in our lives. Isn't it, Maureen? Come on. Maureen knows this. And then finally, ask the Holy Spirit to nudge us. I often do this. Holy Spirit, would you, during the course of the day, would you just come alongside me and remind me who I am in Christ? Would you nudge me with an awareness that I'm in Christ? Help me to be aware of this because we can't do this in our own strength. You understand that, right? We can't, we can't be this. We can't live this apart from the life force who is Jesus Christ himself, the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Baba. Here's a good question to ask yourself as we wrap up. Here's a good question to ask. Lord, yeah, repeat after me, George. <laughs> Lord, if I am in Christ, as your word says, would you help me know in my life and apply to my life 
this truth. Lord, give me grace to believe you, even if my circumstances would seem to say otherwise. Lord, I choose to trust your word over every other voice. Lord, would you empower me to live the life you've called me to live so that I can accomplish the things that you've called me to accomplish. I rely on you, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. You guys want to get it together in groups of two or three and just pray for each other? Just ask the Lord to uh, make this thing real, make this truth real in our lives. Give us wisdom, give us understanding how to apply it, how to make it real, how to make it live in our lives. Yeah, just gather together in groups of three and just pray for each other. Pray for one another like you want somebody to pray for you. Like, yeah, pray for somebody else like you who wants somebody to pray for you. And then we'll just wrap, wrap it up. And this Wednesday, this Wednesday is, we're focusing in on breakthrough prayer. 